Hello and welcome to Stories for Grace Renee. This is an oral history podcast. In this series, you will hear stories of the lives of our family, as told to my daughter, Grace Renee. The stories cover four generations, three continents, and a huge variety of topics. I asked Grace if she wanted to make an intro for this podcast series, and she did. Here's what she had to say. I love to be with my family all day, but don't forget, I also have my friends at school. And then, let's hear it. Now, before we start this episode, I need to explain that I have a code-switching accent. For those of you not familiar with that term, it is altering the way you speak based on the audience. For me personally, it started happening when I was eight years old and we moved from Scotland to England. And both me and my sister subconsciously began adopting a Cumbrian accent with our friends, I assumed to fit in, but still having an Edinburgh accent at home with our parents. When my sister returned permanently to Scotland at 18 years old, her accent returned to just one Scottish accent. But I never went back to Scotland. I kept on moving from place to place, picking up bits and pieces of local pronunciation until it all became a massive jumble in my head. For years, I was very self-conscious about the way my accent would switch, but I've never been able to control it. Why am I telling you all this? Well, today's interview is with my mother, And just to avoid confusion, yes, that is me asking the questions. I'm proud of where I'm from, but I'm also proud of all the other places that have made up my world during the 30 years since I called Scotland home. And I'm at the point now where I just have to accept this odd quirk that, according to Google, is much more common than you might expect. I hope you can all accept my quirky ways too. With that said... Here is Grace's granny discussing her early childhood in Scotland. Well, I wanted to talk about what life was like for me growing up in the 1950s in Edinburgh in Scotland because I I know that that will be so different from the life that people lead nowadays. So, uh, just for a little background, um, I was the second child of four children. Although for the first eight years of my life, I was the middle child because my younger brother wasn't born until I was eight years old. And we lived in a small house in Edinburgh. So there was uh, six of us living in this small house. And that worked really well because we didn't have a lot of possessions. Um, The clothes that we had were either for um, going to Sunday school, for being on a Sunday, or playing out, or going to school. So it meant that all these people could live in this very small space and live in it really happily. When you say small, can you describe the layout of the house, please? Yeah, um, it had a living room and in the living room was a a sink and a a kitchen area 
and um, there was a one bedroom and there was a little box room and there was a toilet. So once my younger brother was born, uh, my mum and dad used to sleep in the box room, but they then slept in a sofa bed in the living room. My other brother slept in the box room and my sister and the baby and myself slept in the bedroom. And my dad decided that we needed to have a bath in the house. Instead of having a tin bath in front of the fire, he would put in a bath. So he, he built a wall and took a bit of the small box room and put a bath in. And it was only afterwards that it, it was found out that that was a load-bearing wall and that the house, we were in a tenement, we were on the bottom flat, that that was holding up some of the tenements. So um, there had to be an emergency um, beam put in to hold up the other houses because he hadn't realised what he was doing. But it was lovely to have a bath in the house. So it was a lovely, happy home. Um, we lived with my mum most of the time because my dad worked away so that he could earn more money to, to support the family. And on a Wednesday night, we'd go and visit our, my nana, who was my mum's mum, and we'd also go there on a Sunday. And she was a really kind woman. Um, and we used to go down there. And um, she was always um, knitting because she had eight grandchildren. And every year for Christmas, she had to knit eight either school cardigans or school jumpers. So she had to be knitting all year. And that's where I learned my knitting skills from. She taught me to knit. And that's why I like to knit as well for, for my grandchildren. But when I was thinking about it, I was thinking, goodness me, we didn't have any TV. We didn't have any telephones, no washing machines, no fridges. But none of us knew that we were missing any of that because everybody that lived beside us was in exactly the same position. So how did you manage without a fridge? What did you do? Yeah, I think that could be difficult because in those days you got your milk delivered in a bottle and it was very difficult for my mum to keep the milk fresh. And I do remember having my cornflakes some morning and thinking, this milk just feels as though it's about to go on the turn. Um, And also mum had to shop every day because she didn't really have facilities to keep things cool um so like keeping the butter cool or or keeping the meat fresh and stuff so she did have to go shopping every day but yeah i especially remember the milk not being able to be kept and maybe the butter being a bit runny margarine not butter margarine and how did you store it if you didn't have a fridge there was a kitchen cabinet and i think she kept everything in that kitchen cabinet trying to keep things cool and fresh because it wasn't a big kitchen I mean there was a sink and in the kitchen cabinet and the, in the room in the living room where my mum and dad slept there was a sofa bed there was a table and chairs in the corner there was a sink and there'd be one cabinet where she would keep the food and the dishes so there wasn't you know because we had to have space in the middle of the floor for us to be able to, to sit there was arm, two armchairs but we mostly sat at the table or on the floor Maybe we used to quite enjoy sitting on the floor. You also said that you didn't have a telephone. So what was it like communicating without that? Yeah, nobody that we knew had a telephone in the house. So uh, the only way people would telephone would be a telephone box out in the street. But we had no one to telephone, so we never used it. Um, whenever you were communicating with people, it was always letters. Everybody wrote letters. When we were at school, we were encouraged to have pen pals. So we would write to pen pals. Um, or family who we had family living in Canada, um, so you would you would write to people, but you wouldn't. That was the only way. You never thought of it. Nobody had to, nobody we knew had a telephone in the house. Yeah. 
So how would you communicate urgent things like school's cancelled or there's something you need to tell somebody really urgently? I think, say you weren't going to be at school because you weren't well, I think your brother or sister took a note from your mum. If they were going into school, they would take it to the school office or your mum would go up and tell them. That was the only way that you could communicate with people. Yeah. And when we went to our nanas, you would already agree when you left when you would be going back to see them. So that was already prearranged. So your nana didn't have a telephone either? No, she didn't have a telephone, no. She lived within walking distance of, I mean, it was a good half-hour walk. Um, and actually, she had a television. She had a black-and-white television. And once a year on the television, they would broadcast the tattoo, which is um, a big show that they have in Edinburgh Castle once a year. Uh, well, they have it in the summer. Um, but they would have it on the television and it would be on late at night and we would get to go to our nana's and stay overnight so we could stay up and watch the tattoo but I don't know what time it came on but it felt very late to us we were already in our pyjamas and sometimes we would fall asleep before it was finished but that was a real treat to go to because we didn't stay at nana's very much because she didn't have a particularly big house either but um, we would go there on that once a year to see the tattoo yeah (laughs) but you said you would go down there twice a week. Was, was that for your dinner? Well, we'd walk down on a Wednesday night just to visit, I think. But on a Sunday, we'd go and have our dinner. And uh, the adults would play cards. My nana, my granddad, mum and dad, they'd sit at the table and they'd play card games like rummy or whist. And the children, we would play games because nana would have other games there and toys or we would be. Um, if she had a melon, we would scoop out the seeds out the melon and we would string them and make a necklace. Or we would be uh, doing some knitting. We had a little knitting set that we'd be doing. So it was always fun to go and visit Nana and Granda. So you mentioned not having a TV at home. What did evenings look like? What did you do? Well, we used to listen to the radio a lot. And I remember particularly on a Sunday night, there was a Scottish country dancing show on, had all the Scottish music and we used to dance around the living room with my mum and it was such fun and we all used to look forward to our Sunday night so that we could do our Scottish country dancing around the living room and that's a really happy memory. Uh, We also went to the cinema. On a Friday night the whole family would go to the local cinema and then on a Saturday morning the children went to what was called a Saturday club um, and we used to get watch films and cartoons um, so we used to really enjoy that so you didn't really miss not having a television because also we would play cards as a family And do you remember when you first got a television? I do remember that actually it was when I was about 12 and it was a black and white television that my dad had got from someone it wasn't a new one and we had to work it from an indoor aerial and you got very poor reception somebody had to stand in the corner of the room holding mm-hmm. this aerial and turning it until we got reception enough to see it. So I do remember that distinctly. What kind of things would you watch on that then? Well, there wasn't a lot because in those days there was no television during the day. It only came on in the evening. Um, so we'd maybe be watching, there was a, a, um, a medical programme called Emergency Ward 10 and, and some of those little things. Uh, but. We didn't actually watch it a lot because the picture was so poor, to be honest. I remember watching um, President Kennedy's funeral. That was on and we made sure that we sat and watched that and we got the aerial in a good position for that. So I do remember watching that, yeah. 
And you mentioned you didn't have a washing machine. So what did it look like to wash clothes? Well, once a week, my mum would go to what they called the wash house, which was um, about a 10, 15-minute walk from the house. And it was a big place. And sometimes it's got the calling the steamies because it's full of big tubs. And the, the children would go into a room which was like a nursery and we would play games in there and there was cots. We would, we would sleep in there sometimes and mum would spend the whole afternoon or felt like the whole day doing the washing in these big tubs and then hanging it up on a pulley to dry and then bringing the washing home. And that's what everybody did. People didn't have washing machines in their houses in those days. They went to the wash house. I'm not sure how old I was when mum got a washing machine, but it was a twin tub. So you put the washing in one side and it washed and then you put it through a ringer. Oh, now I do remember. So when you'd finished washing the clothes, you put it through this ringer, a mango, which you turned with a handle and the washing came out um, dry, dry enough to go outside on the washing line. But one day my youngest brother, he put his arm inside the ringer and he he had a very sore arm for quite a while after that because he got caught in in the ringer. I do remember that. It wasn't very nice for him. Ouch, yeah, I bet not. What other strong memories do you have from that time growing up? Um, just talking about the um, going to school. You went to school when you were five. It was a local school. Um, but I remember the first day at school being a big shock for me because I hadn't gone to nursery. We, we all stayed at home with mum and went to school. And I don't remember um, going to the school to you know, to have a practice. I was just taken along on the day with my mum and we sat in a big hall and they called everybody's name out. And we were actually very much at the end. I think there was only about three people left at the end before I was called. And I was really very scared because I didn't really understand what going to school really meant. Although my elder sister had gone, I still didn't understand that I was going to be away from my mum all day. Uh, So it just took me a little while to settle into the school but because it was a local school, it was good. We could walk there. I'd walk with my sister and my brother, and there was a lollipop man or a lollipop lady that would take us across the busy road. And we came back at lunchtime, had our lunch with mum, and then we went back to school again. And if things were going well, mum would give us all a penny, and we'd go into a little shop which had a penny tree, and you could buy just one little sweetie or something for a penny um, to have after you'd had your lunch. So there were no school lunches then? Um, some people stayed if they were on school dinners. If this, you know, if their families didn't have enough money to feed them, they would get school dinners. And maybe other people whose maybe parents worked would stay. But the majority of people were local and would go home for their lunch. Yeah, so we'd go home and mum would have made soup and sandwiches or soup and pudding for our for our lunch, and then go back to school again. And when we were in school, there was a girls' playground and a boys' playground, so we we all played and we didn't play in the same playground we didn't go in the same door either the girls went in one door and the boys went in the other and that's just how it seemed to be I'm not so sure why but that's how it was and were you separated by gender in the classrooms too no the classes were mixed yeah it was just the doors and the playgrounds were separate no there was boys in the class yeah we did mix so at break time you would go to a separate playground to play yeah because the boys would be playing football or something and the girls would be playing skipping or hitting the ball off the wall and that kind of things, yeah, or elastics. We used to get these coloured elastics and you'd tie them all together and put them around your ankles and we would jump in and out them. That was a very popular game to play, yeah. We used to enjoy that. 
Do you remember anything else about those first few days, about what the classroom was like and the kind of things you did? I feel as though I, I just have this strong memory of being in the hall and mum having to go and me being left there. But I think we were at desks, uh, certainly the, you know, the teacher um, teaching us. And uh, we weren't like, we didn't walk about the classroom and play in different areas. We were at our desks and uh, maybe did different things, but still basically you were at your desk, you know. Yeah. I don't really have as strong a memory of that as I did just being there that first day. I know I liked school after that because I had nice friends and uh, I used to enjoy going to school. It was just that initial being unprepared for it, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also went to the Brownies when you were between the ages of seven and ten, you went to to the brownies and you, you wore a brown uniform with a yellow scarf. And I used to like that as well because we played games and we learned new crafts and we went out on visits. And what I'm, what I'm remembering, just sort of talking about this, is I really had quite a busy life as a child. You know, if you take in the Sunday school and the going to the cinema um, and go to brownies. Um, so, I, so life was quite busy, really. And... We also were part of a community. The whole street was a community. And we used to be able to play out in the street because there was no cars. And we lived in a street that at the bottom of the street, there was steps going down to another street. So it wasn't a through road, no cars would come through. So I have these memories of playing with my family and my friends in the street. We used to do uh, skipping and we had big skipping ropes when someone held it at each end. And, and we could skip in the middle, or we used to play ball games, or we had a blanket on the ground and we played um, with playing cards, we played games. And it was really great fun when we used to play hopscotch, but in Scotland we called that peevers. It sounds like you spent a lot of time outside then. I think one of the things was we all played out and you only came in for your meals. Your mum would shout you in for your lunch, and then in the evening she would shout you in for your dinner. And then she would shout you in to go to bed. And everybody in the street would probably be getting shouted in about the same time. Uh, you would hear uh, a mother shouting, right, um, Joyce, it's time for you to come in for bed. And all the different families would then go to their own houses. Now, Scotland is not exactly known for its warm sunshine. It's more often than not raining. So are you really telling me that you were out there playing in all weathers? All weathers. Because our houses were so, so small, and everybody in the street's houses were so small, um, there wasn't really room for you to play in very much. So yes, you had on your wellies, we all had wellingtons, and our, our Burberry coats, and you'd have a hat and a scarf, and you would play out, yeah. You didn't really, you just accepted that, you know. Yeah, you wouldn't maybe sit on the ground, you'd maybe playing different games, you know, yeah. But one of the other things I remember was, if an aeroplane went over in the sky, everybody would stop and look at it. Because it wasn't that there was a lot of aeroplanes going and we'd all go, I wonder where that aeroplane's going. All thinking to ourselves, we'll never go in an aeroplane in our lifetime. And there was a family in our street who emigrated to Canada. And I remember when they left, we all cried because we thought, We'll never, ever see them in our whole lives because that was so far away and that we never thought that we would go there. And in fact, I have been to Canada and I have been in aeroplanes, but at that time you didn't think that you would. So travel wasn't really something that you did then? We used to go to local shops and there was a local park. So everything you did was in your your own area. We didn't particularly 
travel. We had to go up to the centre of Edinburgh once a month. My mum had to go up and pay, which I think was the mortgage she must have been going to pay. So we all had to walk there, and it felt like it was a long walk, and then walk back. And then the only time we did travel was for our holidays. We'd go and visit a family who lived in a village, which was about 17 miles outside Edinburgh, in East Lothian. And we used to go on the bus, and I was not a good traveller, so every time we went... I used to be very sick on the bus. It was a horrible journey for me. But I always liked to go because it was good fun when we got there. But it was a nightmare to be travelling on these buses and be feeling ill. So did you not regularly travel on buses then? Edinburgh's got a good bus service. Did you not use it? We never used it. I don't know whether whether there wasn't enough money to pay bus fares for us all to go. We always walked everywhere we went. If, if we went to Portobello and things, we would... We would walk, because we would walk like to the Queen's Park or various parts. So we were always going out for walks as a family. And I do remember probably complaining a lot about that, because it felt as if these walks were very long. But, uh, yeah, I do remember complaining about when I was older, I was going to make them walk or something, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the kind of thing I would have said to you. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, though. I mean, we're joking about how hard it was to walk everywhere, but when you describe some of the things that you didn't have, do you think it was a hard life? I feel like looking back at my mum's life, my mum's life must have been pretty hard because my dad worked away, and there she was with four children, you know, trying to make sure that we all, we all got you know our meals and all the washings were done and, and kept the house going. It must have been really tricky for her doing that. Yeah. But, but as I say, everybody was... The same, nobody had any cars, nobody was going on any holidays as such, particularly, you know, just little holidays, you know, because you didn't travel abroad in those days, nobody did, yeah. But despite being quite a hard life, it sounds like it was a very special place to live. It was, it was very special, it was very safe and very happy because it felt like a community. We knew all the families and they knew us, so everybody looked out for everybody, you know. And also, I think... People didn't feel that they didn't have a lot of money because everybody was in the same boat. But you didn't live there for your whole childhood, did you? At some point you moved. We only lived in this house until I was 10 because uh, my dad decided that he didn't want to work away from home anymore, that when he'd worked away from home all those years, he'd missed my sister and me and my brother growing up. And when our younger brother was born, he said, I don't want to miss his life. So he then got a job um, as a school janitor. And we moved, there was a house came with the job, and we moved to another area in Edinburgh, which was a, a more affluent area. And people didn't play out the streets there, and there wasn't the sense of community there. So that was such a big change for me in my life. It was just a totally different place to live. It felt very cold compared to the, the community and all the friends and the freedom that we'd had in our previous one. Did you stay in touch after you moved? We did not. No, we didn't. Because it, 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 it was another part of town. It felt as though it was so far away that we never kept in touch with people from there. No. no. So when we moved to the new house, I was in my last year in primary school. And then uh, my sister had already started in the secondary school. And then I had one year at primary school. And then I went to the secondary school. And then I made new friends. Again, not within where we lived. The people travelled from quite a lot to come to that school from different areas 
of Edinburgh and I made friends with people out with the area. Are there any other memories that stand out for you from that time? I think really, uh, well, I think that's about it. I remember we all had, in these tenements that we lived in, there was all had back greens where the, there was washing poles. And because in this tenement there would be, uh, what would be one, two, maybe about eight or ten houses. So there were certain days when you could hang your washing out. So one part of the tenement could hang their washing out, say on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday, and the other people did it on the other days. Uh, I just always remember how, and washing the stair, there was a tenement stair, so everybody had to take their turn at washing the stair. So a card went round everybody's door, oh, today it's my turn to wash the stair. It was washed once a week. So I think all these things also make it part of a community, don't they, when everyone's sharing the tasks and sharing the resources that they've got. Is there anything else that you want Grace to know about your story? I think on reflection, it was a privilege to grow up in such a safe and friendly community. And I believe that this has been instrumental in how I've lived my life. And I hope that Grace can have the same experiences in her life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories for Grace Renee. If you're enjoying this podcast series, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and think about leaving us a review so that others can find us. Also, a huge thank you to Audio Nautics for this version of Amazing Grace that we're using as our theme tune. And most of all, thank you to the family of Grace Renee. Thank you for your stories, your warmth, your laughter and your love.